Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode seven of season four of This Osteopathic Life. I join you on a sunny Monday here in Northwest Michigan in May after a most bizarre week last week when it was 95 degrees. And we don't get a lot of 90 degree days in August here. So to have one in the early stages of May after I think the last time we met on the podcast, it was really cold, like snowing, and everything feels confused. The plants, I had planted leafy greens in the garden and they were scorched immediately and they seemed to be doing okay. I figured out the irrigation system and the temperatures have leveled out a bit and fish are on the shores of the lake and we could look at all the different reasons these things are happening. The extremes in temperature and the impact on the flora and the fauna and the various species around us and we could look at what we are doing to contribute either to the improvement or the detriment of those ongoing cycles. In any case, it is a Monday. And I've shared with you in the past that Mondays were never my thing, even as far back as I can remember into the early days of elementary school when I still loved school, loved being there, but really didn't like a Monday. Today, I'd give it a pretty high score as far as a Monday is concerned. Yesterday was my middle son's birthday, and in the time since we last met, if I do the day count, I think we were just arriving at my oldest son's birthday, so we're in that May birthday bonanza, and he requested some treats for school, so I was able to get up and bake those cookies so they were fresh and ready to roll, and all things considered, we got out the door without too much of a mishap and was able to get some tasks underway, and actually today, and the name of this episode and the concepts we're going to cover, I decided not to attend yoga. And in the last quarter here, yoga has been a really key part of my movements and meditation and mindfulness protocol. That's the word that comes up. It feels a little harsh and formal, but we'll just put it in there. It's been a key part of my health and well-being in this season. Now I have participated in yoga in lots of different ways. I have taught it informally. I don't have formal teacher training, but had been exposed to enough yoga and I would teach it as needed in my gym. And I had it been a dedicated regular practitioner, practicer of yoga. And it really spoke to me. And I have a dear friend here in Northwest Michigan who teaches and her classes have really resonated with me. And there was a day when I thought, oh, I just, I need to be in a yoga class right now. And I happened to message her and she was teaching right then. It was a little too soon to transition to there in that moment, but I realized that it was available. And the next week I joined in. And since then I have really taken to it. And in this studio, there are a lot of amazing different teachers and styles of practice. And I've actually adapted into hot yoga in ways I didn't expect. I had attended one class many years ago and I really thought I was going to pass out. It was so hot and so tiny and so sweaty. I just was like, why would anyone do this? You know, why would we electively 
increase the temperature to this degree. But now in this new environment, it's actually been quite lovely. And now actually a normal temperature yoga class can feel a little bit strange. But in any case, if you've been with me throughout the course of the podcast, if you know me personally, you'll know that I often can be a more is more person, particularly when it comes to movement. And I tend to have an addictive personality style in general, whether that comes with food or, again, for me, exercise probably most significantly. And if you follow me on social media, you'll know that exercise is a near guaranteed part of my daily routine. And we could look at the balance aspect of that, right? When does it become too much of a good thing? When are we doing it for reasons that perhaps aren't for the health of all things? And that's something worth exploring here on the podcast, worth exploring in various conversations and settings. But for me, what happened was I liked yoga so much that I went as often as I could. And the studio happens to have lots and lots of classes. You could go quite a bit. And then I found that sense of if I didn't go, almost a bit of withdrawal from that. And so today, on this Monday, I'd originally enrolled for the usual class I would take on a Monday. And as I got up early, and you need to cancel two hours in advance, you know, following the studio protocol, and I was baking those cookies, and I thought, you know what? The act of self-care today is to not go to yoga. And not because there's anything wrong with the classes. They're all fabulous and fantastic and great teachers. But just to create that space for myself to say, you don't have to go every day for this to be a functional and meaningful and supportive thing for you. And to check in and notice when we begin to do things because we have been doing them, we get into a routine. Routines can be great and powerful, but they can also become mindless instead of mindful. And so knowing why we choose it, how we choose it, when we choose it, what the dosing might be, and just checking in with that. And so while I love the class today and really appreciate the teacher and the people and the view and the moment and the movements and the mindfulness, all of that, I knew creating that pause was a necessary thing for me. And I have had some various different aches and pains. It's easy to get wrapped up into the idea that yoga is gentle and it's restorative and it's for injury prevention and for recovery. And it is also physically engaging, physically taxing, and it can put you at risk, particularly if you overdo it. Right? And I'm sure all my family is going to contact me after this episode and say, what are you thinking? <laughs> Don't do too much yoga. Don't get injured there. And I just notice things feeling differently in my body. Many things in a good way, noticing more mobility and more awareness and more ease, a greater ability to be still with myself, which is a huge shift. And also noticing hmm, that feels a little strange and maybe that's too much. And perhaps just a pause in what is happening is an opportunity here today. And so if you notice the title of this episode, Blankets, Blocks, and Bolsters, and thinking about those, if you are an active participant or have been or have some engagement with yoga, those words may have those direct meanings for you from the yogi space, right? And they are used as props and as supports And as reinforcements, they allow us to move into our practice in a different way. We're going to talk about that. We're going to touch on each one of these from that perspective. And of course, we have the opportunity to explore the definitions of these words, both on the page 
right, from our good friends at Merriam-Webster since 1828, as well as our own interpretations of them. And I'm going to offer you mine here. My interpretation is the one that I have to offer to you. And I hope you will find that your interpretation comes through and feel free to share that with me. You can find me on social media, This Osteopathic Life, on Instagram and on Facebook. You can send me an email, thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com, or you can simply share your story. What does this bring up for you? And what would you like to offer to someone in your life? And maybe it's someone with whom you share a yoga practice. Maybe it's an instructor or a classmate, a fellow student. Maybe it is your partner at home. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe just in conversation, you might notice, wow, I never thought of it that way. And here it is made available for you. So let's start with the blanket. And in the yoga studio, the blanket may be the most subtle of the supportive prop. It is smaller as far as we think of the height that it can create. It also has a lot more flexibility and options. You can roll it up, you can fold it up, you can use it as a cover, you can use it as a seat cushion, you can put it between the surfaces of your joints, all different ways that you can engage with a blanket. And so sometimes it can feel like the safest way and perhaps the nearest way to not requiring a support in a prop, but having a little something, right? Just put it under your sit bones when you're sitting cross-legged at the start of class to allow you to have a more upright posture. And it doesn't feel like you're maybe cheating the system. And we could talk about that whole component maybe in an entire different episode. How do we feel about using those supports and props? What do we make it mean about ourselves? Is it a failure to be able to do that position au naturel? And by that, I mean without a prop, right? Not scantily clad. And can we embrace that actually these props and these supports and these tools can help us to practice more effectively? Do the pose with a greater sense of stability and strength and actually are a stronger practice rather than a sign of weakness. So we could investigate that. So thinking about the blanket and thinking about if you are in a yogic practice, how you might utilize the blanket. When do you call upon that? And how it can just sometimes soften the surface. For me, one of the hardest poses is frog pose. And if you don't even practice yoga, you might imagine, right? You get frog legs. And for me, the hardest part is the surface of the knee, right? That can medial the inside surface of the knee contacting, which is often the floor because it's usually outside the mat, but even on a mat, it's really hard surface. And the blanket is a saving grace to simply provide a very gentle cushion so that the pressure isn't so great. So where might a blanket be a useful prop for you in your life? And this could be on the mat, but certainly off the mat as well. When sometimes do you just need that little cushion, that little layer of softness to allow you to engage with something difficult, right? We can talk about a hard service or a difficult situation. And you need just that little bit of cushion. That blanket might be the language that you use. It might be a person you take with you, right? The wing person can be so powerful in so many situations, A blanket might be more information that you're gaining, right? So it might be whatever it is to put a little bit of a softer landing surface between you and whatever it is you are contacting. So thinking about that, thinking about how a blanket might be a useful prop for you in your life. Let's walk through a few of the definitions here and just see what pops up from them. Definition of blanket, a large, usually oblong piece of woven fabric used as a bed covering, Now, you might think, 
Oh, great. That's a pretty obvious and straightforward definition, but let's just look at it for a moment. Large, right? So just seeing the potential in the size of it. And I think about our recent travels. I often still use these thin and some might be made of bamboo baby blankets and they're thin and they roll up, but they're actually pretty large overall. And they're quite warm, even though they don't have a lot of bulk to them. Usually oblong. And just thinking about that, it's such a strange word, oblong, but seeing that, right, a little bit longer than it is wide. And just seeing how sometimes those dimensions matter. And looking in your life, right, and noticing when things are a little bit longer than they are wide. And that can be helpful. Sometimes it takes longer than you'd like. You don't have quite as much to do to get across. So just thinking about that. And it's a piece of woven fabric. And I love the visual of weaving and just seeing that there are unique and independent individual fibers that have their own integrity, yes, but when brought together, it's an entirely new substance, a new experience, a new item. And they can go from being these individual strands and threads and put together, and they create that warmth, that surface, that cushion, that suspensory capacity. I think about using a blanket kind of as a hammock underneath you. And they can be used as a bed covering. So they can go over you. And in yoga, we do that as well, perhaps at the end of a practice when you are settling in and you're not going to be moving. So you need some external warmth. The blanket can be available to you for that. So it can serve so many purposes, the flexibility of the blanket in that practice. So noticing, what is a tool you have in your life that can serve those many purposes? And again, it might be a particular relationship. It might be the way that you engage with words. Can words be that blanket for you in your life? Something that resembles a blanket. Isn't that a helpful definition? But a blanket of fog, a blanket of gloom. What interesting examples. And just seeing that. So it's it's covering and it's creating this space between and maybe not sometimes in a favorable way. I talked in a recent episode about driving through the fog and that blanket of fog was not ideal. Right? It made it so I couldn't see and engage with the world around me very effectively. To cover so as to obscure, interrupt, suppress, or extinguish. Now we have talked about the favorable definition of blanket here and how it can be of service to us. And here noticing as well, anything, just like yoga once a week or a couple times a week or 10 times a week, right? It can have different implications. When are we using something to block? And when is something blocking us? And maybe it started out as a functional, helpful, supportive item. And then it shifted, right? In the way in which it was utilized, right? Intent and impact. We talk about that a lot. When the intent might be there, but the impact is other than what we anticipated. So just noticing that. Noticing where you have encountered blankets in an obstructive way. Or maybe when you have been utilizing a blanket in an obstructive way for yourself or towards others and how you might be able to shift that. To apply or cause to apply to uniformly despite wide separation or diversity among the elements included. All right, so just see. When blanket statements can be helpful, do they wrap you in? Are they inclusive? And when are blanket statements problematic? And they're making a lot of assumptions about what's happening around us. And here too, we could decide there's no one way right, to make use of these props in yoga. There's no run right way for everyone. And so just seeing how we might shift our perspective and be a little bit more aware about what is available to us. So blanket, that's our first B. And of course it's alliterative and I love it. And there actually are some other props here, but I chose the three 
because alliteration and trifectas are the best, according to me. You can have a different opinion, absolutely. And feel free to share that with me. So next we have blocks. And blocks in yoga are just as they sound. They're like little bricks. And they're often made of foam and sometimes might be also made of bamboo, which is a beautiful substance. We're seeing that come through another bee. We'll just open up to those here. And the block often, the most often inspired cue is that the block is moving the earth towards you, bringing the earth towards you. So if you are leaning forward and you're having to compromise your posture in order to make contact with the floor, let's say you're in a lunge and you're reaching for the floor and you want to keep your chest tall, right? Tall and proud, tall, proud chest. It's often a cue we use in the gym as well. And if reaching for the floor causes you to round your spine and that's not the intention of the pose that you're in, the posture that you're in, placing the blocks under your hands literally makes the earth closer, Right, so you can still be in that posture. You can be in contact with the earth through the continuous relationship with that block. So it gives you the opportunity to make a connection when you can't quite reach it fully on your own. And just thinking about that and thinking about where a block can be useful to you. When is there a time when you are so close, but making that reach compromises you? And so how can the block be something that helps to meet you part way? helps to bring the earth closer. Perhaps if you're in a compromise, in a conversation with someone and you're nearly there, you're almost at an agreement, but reaching to fully join them in their opinion would cause you to compromise your posture, your values, whatever that might be for you. And instead, can there be something to bridge that gap? Perhaps they meet you partway. Perhaps you meet them partway. Or perhaps there's something else to fill that space between so that you both can maintain your integrity and come together, find that ground between. Now, blocks in yoga still have some flexibility, perhaps not as much as the blanket, but they also have more stability because they are a solid form. And a blanket, yes, it's a solid, but it's a mobile solid, if you will. So the block can't be folded, but it can be rotated. And it has three heights. Right, so there can be that low side and you can flip it to that medium height and then the tall side and they each can have their place. And this is one object, right? but the one object has options within it. So if you're thinking about that tool that can allow you to meet in a space, noticing that sometimes you just need a little bit. You just are so close. You just need that small amount. And then other times you really need the tallest aspect of the block to really allow you to stay true to what it is you're upholding in that posture. And thinking about that, thinking about the times when you just need a little bit, and maybe you just need one. And those other times you need one on each side, right? And you need them stacked up, and you need as much possible support as you can from those blocks. So just thinking about that and how a block can serve you and how you can be aware and be mindful that it is not a failure, right? And it's not worth it to reach beyond when you have this option available and how you might offer that up to someone else when you might ask for it. And the other block could be the person. Maybe they are able to come and meet you and still stay within their integrity, right? Sometimes it is not a two-way situation. So keeping an open mind, an open conversation, open dialogue around these things can be really helpful. Let's look at a few of the definitions here now. Definition of block, a compact usually solid piece of substantial material, especially when worked or altered to serve a particular purpose. How interesting. 
right? So we can have natural occurring blocks. They exist. But if we're thinking about this very specific shape, right? We have this lovely rectangle in the yoga studio. And like we said, it allows us to have three different sides and heights available. And so oftentimes blocks are purposefully formed. And so just thinking about that, the intent is literally crafted into it from its inception. And the examples they give here are a block of ice or a block of cheese. And I will say, it is somewhat satisfying, right, to have that lovely little cube of cheese and just see the intent and the thoughtfulness and the care that was put into forming it. And it came out of probably a bigger block, right? So you can even see how there are blocks within. We can have a meta moment around the block here. Now, the very next example, fascinating, the piece of wood on which the neck of a person condemned to be beheaded is laid for execution. And I guess in 1828, I guess that was still happening a fair amount. (laughs) But for that to be the very next definition under block is fascinating to me. But in any case, just like with blanket, and we start out with that favorable relationship to it. It is a support. It is a cushion. And then we shift in and we see a blanket. Oh, it could be obstructive. It could be assumptive. There could be all these ways that it's being used that maybe aren't for the best. And so here too with the block, right? You're on the chopping block. And just thinking about that, we have those connotations with these words. And you could think about a block, right? When you aren't able to move through something, writer's block. You could think about heart block, right? So there are times when block absolutely isn't necessarily a favorable thing. So just checking in there, right? Where are you stuck? Where is there an obstruction? And here too, just like we saw the blanket had a little more flexibility, when there's a blanket that's obstructive, it can feel more movable. When there's a block, right? It feels more solid, that structure of it, more inhibitory. So just checking in, saying, where are you experiencing a block? How has it gotten there? Has someone placed it there? Do you place blocks between yourself and anyone else? in the world or other activities or a block between a goal that you have and your capacity to reach it. So just checking in and seeing how block is coming up for you. The last one I want to touch on is an idea, a usually rectangular space as in a city enclosed by streets and occupied by or intended for buildings and all kinds of different songs, right? Jenny from the block comes to my mind right now as I'm just sitting here. I'm going to be honest with you. We could have this osteopathic life soundtrack for the songs that pop up. And I love the idea of the block and of the neighborhood and of that connection where you have your own space, but you're connected on these streets and those blocks together, just like we saw, little blocks of cheese out of one larger block, right? The neighborhood that's formed by the congruent and consecutive and neighboring blocks around and just seeing how that structure can be helpful. It can orient you to the space. It can give you a sense of identity and relationship and connection. So just seeing how you identify with that idea of block. Growing up, we had one particular block in our neighborhood. And as many homes around us were torn down or shifts were made and a parking lot was formed for the hospital across the street, our block had this sense of connectedness, of protectedness, in a neighborhood that otherwise was quite challenged by acts of violence. And again, that's a whole other episode or series even, but just seeing that sense of our block, right? And knowing the neighbors on that block and the power of that capacity and hearing the stories of those who grew up on that block and still identify it with us as well when they come back to visit the area. So just noticing that sense of origin, that sense of direction, 
and sense of orientation to that space and the relationships that it builds. So we've gone through blankets and block, and now we are to bolster. And yes, I went alphabetical because that's just why not give you a sense of form and order. So the bolster of any of these for me is the newest one that I have been using regularly. And again, likely because I have really not done yoga in a studio per se. And I do have blocks at home and I have blankets at home, but I don't have a specific yoga bolster. So it's just a newer piece for me. And if we look at the three of them, you know, it's interesting because I would say it is the least flexible, although the more I use it, the more I see how many creative ways it can engage a posture, but usually in the same way, right? So it allows you to lie over it and then it provides a cushion, provides some elevation. The bolster is larger and so it lifts you. So you might lie back over it and it can help you to extend through your chest. That's one of my favorites to recline back over the bolster and it lets you open up the front of your chest. And for so many of us, or even as I'm recording this podcast, I tend to start to hunch forward. I'm over my computer or I'm near the recording device and just sitting back and opening the shoulders can be so powerful. It can allow you again to bring the ground closer, but also in a way that really holds you, right? That bolster is one that you can embrace literally in the practice. So in child's pose, right? If you're on your knees and you're bringing your chest towards your legs and reaching your arms out in front, you can have the bolster underneath you. And it's literally like you're just having a hug. And some of these practices such as yin, where it's a longer time in each posture, you might be able to get into the full position, but for an extended interval, it is less comfortable. And the point here is actually to welcome comfort. So many times we're pushing the edge and that has its merits, but allowing ourselves to be in a space of comfort and find those edges with gentleness is really powerful. So the bolster is newer to me. And that idea of allowing yourself to be supported and cushioned and to embrace something in these practices to allow you to stay there a bit longer. And thinking about that, so where is the gentleness and the fullness and an embrace so important and helpful and necessary for you to be able to stay where you need to be, where you choose to be a little bit longer. And even to be able to stay for the same amount of time you could without it, but with greater comfort. And what does it take for you to allow yourself to really just welcome yourself to be comfortable, to be at ease, to be still, and to be trusting of that experience. So just noticing that and who might be a bolster for you in your life and how might you engage with that as a support structure. Now, all of these can also be used in combination. I've been in postures where we have blocks under the bolster with a blanket, right? And just seeing that synergy where it feels luxurious to be where you are for that interval. So how can you integrate each of these in your life to serve you? in relationships, in your work, in your rest, in your activity, whatever that might be. We'll go quickly through these definitions of bolster. A long pillow or cushion, right? pretty straightforward, but just that onomatopoeia sense, right? And cushion to me qualifies. It sounds like what it is, right? Cushion, like it holds you, it's soft, it's squishy in the best way. A structural part designed to eliminate friction or provide support or bearing. And even that, Oh, that's where I'm supposed to be. This gives me a sense of direction, which for me is most appreciated. To give a boost to, to bolster your spirits, to lift you up, literally. So just noticing that. And who is a bolster for you in your life? What is a bolster? To whom 
are you identified as a bolster? And how can you welcome that in? And so as we head forth into this week, it's actually been 11 days since the last episode, which seems totally appropriate because that's the time span here we are between these birthdays. And so the interval between often gets a little chaotic. And thank you for just being with me at the rate at which these episodes emerge and trusting that. I'm saying thank you to me and to you in that space. And as we proceed till the next episode emerges, thinking about blankets and blocks and bolsters, oh my, and the opportunities you have to engage with these, what they can offer you, how they can serve to support you, and where you might be avoiding them because you find it to be a weakness to need them, and how we might shift our mindset to say, no, it is a strength to notice how these can work for me and how they can hold me in a space of integrity, of safety, of respite, of relaxation, so that creativity can expand and connection can expand. And these postures on the mat and in life can become so fully available to you. And that is how we engage for the health of all things. And doing that at the frequency that works best for you. And sometimes that means more, increasing that frequency. And sometimes it means less, taking a pause, taking a day with love and appreciation for all that is available and knowing you don't have to use it all up in every moment. There's no scarcity. There's no urgency at the frequency that is right for you engage. And when you need more encouragement, seek out that bolster. And when you need a reminder to pause, maybe a block can be used in that way. And when you're ready for things to be softened or warmed, pull that blanket on or under and trust yourself to use these in the way that is best for you. I wish you all a beautiful day, a beautiful Monday, in fact. And I look forward to the next time we meet here. And please do reach out to me with any ideas that come up for you. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.